Today's episode is brought to you by the Vegas Beer Guys and the Brew Bar. The Everything Sequel podcast contains explicit language. Because we learned it from you, Dad. Hello and welcome to the Everything Sequel Podcast. This is the Final Destination Edition. My name is Michael Schantz. I'm from the How Dare You Awards. With me, as always, the magical Tom Stewart. He's from Lonesome Whistle Productions. What do you got for us, Tom? What if we're all getting that different strokes curse or something? <laughs> You know, my, my go-to curses are Superman, the Kennedys, but apparently for this guy, it's I was just gonna... it's different strokes. A sitcom starring a man who already has a developmental disorder. Oh, man. You've got to love that he says the different strokes curse. I don't know. Maybe, maybe, this, was, maybe this was the go-to uh, curse at the time. I doubt it. I don't think so, but <laughs> right, I doubt it. Well, of course, ladies and gentlemen, we're talking about the 2003 film Final Destination 2, directed by David R. Ellis, who also, Tom, yes, if you didn't know, directed Cellular. <laughs> sorry, sorry. <laughs> like that. Shark Knight 3D and... Snakes on a Plane. He directed Snakes on a Plane. That makes total sense to me. Yeah. This guy is a comic genius. Uh, agreed. This movie, you know, budget of $26 million, made 46.9 in the USA, cumulative worldwide, $90.4 million. So, again, these movies are hits, man. Yeah, well... People like these movies. You, you, you don't see... Uh, slapstick like this in in any kind of movie that of, often. I am okay. This is I am in. Go, ad, sorry, no, go I'm ahead. just I'm just in complete admiration of um of the the level of physical comedy that is going on here. Well, and one of my first notes for all the movies, but I think is extremely prevalent in this movie. Like one of my notes says. Everybody in these movies dies like Wiley e. Coyote. Yes. I think on purpose. I I, I, I I agree completely. I got to a point in them, you know, I think w- uh, one of my notes was like, is this kind of overkill mm-hmm. of clumsiness? Is this, you know, comic in nature or, you know, are they really just missing the mark here? Like, do they, do they know how sublimely ridiculous every single um, accident in this movie is. And by the end of the movie, I was convinced that, uh, that you know, every death in this movie is, is the product of exquisite comic timing. Yeah, I... I... So you can't, you can't, and you can't accidentally engineer that, uh, that kind of, you know, those kind of elaborate physical comedy re- um, routines with the setup on the punchline, you can't sort of do, you can't accidentally figure that out. That is deliberate. It has to be right. I mean, I, I, yeah, I can't see, I can't, I can't imagine that it's not. I, at one point in this movie, I, I, because if it is, it's like the world's best, most happy accident. Yes, exactly. I sort of said, 
at one point I asked myself the question, how would this movie be different if it were pure comedy? Mm-hmm. And the answer was exactly nothing would have to change. I, I was just going to say it would stay exactly the same. Even like even the fact that the actors are playing it straight right works to to the comic cuz i think of you know movies that this reminds me of airplane the naked gun movies you know the 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 whole point of that is that everyone's deadpanning it mhm on screen and that's what makes it funny and it's the same here you wouldn't so you wouldn't even need to like change the the performance style in this movie to make it more of a comedy than it already is yeah i agree completely um, so we both listed Final Destination 2 as a good movie, and we both listed it as the third best in the series. Yeah, I mean, the I guess the downside of just that that avalanche of slapstick from, you know, from top to bottom in this movie is that it is one note compared to a couple of the other movies. Yeah. But you know that's it's hard for me to admit that. <laughs> <laughs> that that one note is you know is like uh, sublime. Yeah, it's like Jimi Hendrix playing a chord. It's <laughs> right. <laughs> it's, it's 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 beautiful. But um, but yeah, if, if if we're thinking in cinematic terms about uh, about you know what what is the most holistic holistically good movie. It's not this one. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> I find, you know, uh, obviously this episode is about Final Destination 2. That's where what, what, what we're talking about. But I think it's important to, to, to note, because we didn't talk about it in the introduction, almost all of these movies are based on or around real stuff. You, like they used a, an actual airplane crash for the first movie. Hmm. There was a 125 car pileup on Interstate 75 in Georgia in 2002 and that what they that's what they used kind of as the model for this movie. Yeah. Um <laughs> and th- that uh cuz boy does this movie have a car pileup. <laughs> but I'm assuming, you know, it wasn't like Inspector Clouseau in every car. Right, yeah. <laughs> because they effectively sell the notion that there, if there is not at least one accident on this road, the universe will break open. Right. Because there is simply no way... I mean, you know, I've already referenced it, but the, the Naked Gun movies could not do uh, a set piece of such violent absurdity with as much success as this as this absolutely and not only do you know do we get this spectacular car crash explosion we then get two in a, two of the same in a matter of minutes right this movie does not pull its punches not at all. Well, and so uh, let me ask you this, though, because there's a fundamental difference between this movie and really all the other movies. This movie lands a different punch because all the friends die. <laughs> yes. In the accident. So usually in each movie, 
there's a group of friends that are together and one person has a premonition. By the way, in case anybody doesn't know, these movies are all about accidents that occur. One person has a premonition, pulls a bunch of people off of whatever mode of transportation they're on or watching, saves the day. They think they're super lucky and death has to come find them. In this one, the friends in the car, they all die. And this movie is different in that the story is then a bunch of strangers having to come together as opposed to the friends. What do you think we, of that for this movie? Oh, it's a brilliant gear change. I mean, I, 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 I haven't seen the original, so I, I didn't, I didn't clock it as, um, as an. In- well, that one's a little different too because there's actually they're not all friends. They're they know each other, but some of them hate each other. So in that way, it's a little different too. But well, I mean, there <laughs> the people, the the characters who were introduced. The first thing I thought when the, when uh, they got into the car, there's a kind of road trip. They're going on a road trip, right? The, these teenagers, right? When they all got in the car, and they... well, one of my first thoughts was these women are way too good looking for these boys. <laughs> well, I mean that that's every that's every Hollywood movie. Yeah, ever. but um, my first thought was I cannot wait to see these people die. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I, and and uh, not only does the movie deliver that, it delivers it sooner than you expect it. You're right, yeah. It does happen so, quick. win-win for me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and, and, and uh, the, the eventual group of, of kind of stragglers from the, uh, the car crash, who, spoiler alert, later all turn out to be people who are uh, tenuously linked to the plane crash in some way, and thus should have died right. so death is kind of picking them off uh, as a sort of afterthought mm-hmm. they they're a much better rounded group of individuals and you know better acted better characterized sure yeah i agree with that so yeah this 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 the i mean plus that's a, that's a great i didn't know that was a sequel inversion so that's a great sequel inversion but yeah. Even without knowing that, I was on board for all of those choices. How about were you very happy to see Blonde Guy back? Did you pick up on that? Blonde Guy? Yes. Okay. T- From our previous movie. Oh no, the the their faces all bl- they're like one person when I look at them. Blonde Guy from I'll Always they're Know like, What like... You Did Last Summer. So oh. he he was He's recurring his role in a different franchise as Blonde Guy Asshole. Oh, is he the lottery winner? Yeah. Oh, I didn't even... You know what? I think... The second I saw his face, I was like, Blonde Guy! There, there's just this kind of collective douchebag character that I, I, <laughs> I, you know, I just have total face blindness for. All right. But, um... Oh, but he's... I reveled in it. He's magnificent, that guy. He is... I mean... He's so good. He is... He's a... He's a... Uh, you know his character is great. His performance is great. He's also a great spokesman for uh, um, Apple Mac. Yeah, for sure, right? I hope he got. I hope he got a few commercial gigs after that because no one, <laughs> no one has carried um, an Apple Mac uh, box that is so logo forward. Yes, in any movie right. ever, not even no. Wayne's World. <laughs> <laughs> right? Yeah. <laughs> Oh, that's beautiful. Well, uh, you know, 
what one of my one of the things I delight in in these movies is seeing how long before the exposition dump occurs. <laughs> it's it's from instant. from the previous movies, you know. Yes. Yeah, and in this movie, you have you have two exposition dumps. The very first thing you're seeing after credits is this huge exposition dump with the newscast. Yeah. Which is going to recap everything that happened in the last movie for you, which I just think is hysterical. And it goes even further because you have a um, a guy who believes in the supernatural version of events and a right, news right. reporter who's trying to push the scientific. So they, they basically, you have two people who are debating the credibility of the original movie. Yeah. <laughs> Siskel and Ebert style. Yeah. <laughs> like we pan away from the TV. These two are still going at it. It's so and, great. And then we have a detail that you never hear again in this franchise, which is that it sort of implies that the public has largely accepted that the Grim Reaper exists. Right, yeah, exactly. We never hear about this again. No. I think James Wong comes in in the third movie is like, we are not carrying We're not getting that shit off. Yeah. Because <laughs> no one is going around like going, must be the Grim Reaper. For the rest Has of the to franchise. Be. Well, and the funny thing is, is like in the first movie, you have the plane crash, and then the first kid to die, it's a really long, drawn-out scene where he's in the bathroom and water starts leaking out of the bottom of the toilet and it's creeping along the ground and it's sinister and it's moving towards him, you know, yeah. while he's shaving or something. And of course he slips. And then, you know, those cords that go across bathtubs, yes. like in a hotel room mm-hmm. to dry clothes or whatever, he like that, that's pulled out. And I think he, he hangs himself on it accidentally. Mm-hmm. He, so he slips and falls on that. But right after that, you have the water creep back up. Yeah to the toilet and and disappears as you know and so you were really you know they went to kind of painstaking st- took t- painstaking steps to try and show death yeah is is a coming mm-hmm. and and then it's just dropped for the whole rest of the movies the whole rest of the movies like we kind of talked about in the in the introduction they're all Rube Goldberg deaths mm-hmm. they're all uh, you know just just faulty equipment nonsense deaths yeah um, but they're fun man (laughs) it's it's uh it's fun and you know and uh what i like about playing it that way is that you can you know a spoiler alert for one of the later movies uh, someone tries to come in and prove that this is just all happening empirically Mm -hmm. and uh you know i'm just sort of like if these people are that clumsy and that unsafe with everything they do, aren't the chances fairly high that their accidental deaths would happen anyway? It feels like death doesn't, right, need, yeah, death yeah. doesn't need to work that hard with a lot of them. Just give them a week, death. They'll they'll do it on their own. Yeah, blonde guy's apartment. I mean, that apartment fire is. Just, <laughs> I mean, it's. A... If you know, like, as soon as he gets into that apartment, I'm like. I'm like, if it goes up in flames now, I'd buy it. Right. Yeah. <laughs> like just walking through the door, I would be like, I'm sure what that would trigger some kind of electrical disaster. 
It would have to. Well, and the and the amount of damage that uh, you know, water from cups, uh, condensation from cups causes in this movie. Well, well, uh, all these movies. Well, I mean, well, this is interesting because. I, I I guess having not knowing these movies, I assumed that that death at some point would be personified. You know, whether it's like a, a guy in a hood with a scythe or something different. I thought we'd eventually get to see some manifestation of that. But you know, death acts through proxy and we have these kind of recurring tools, I guess. Well you know, like death has a, a weapon like Michael Myers has a, a knife. Right. You know, and, and Freddy has his claws. He works mainly through water, electricity, birds. Yes. Just generally sort of long, sharp objects. Yeah, you're right. Um, long objects with sharpened edges. Uh, so I think I think it's it's kind of interesting that even though literally anything could happen to kill these people you know after a while we we, we get a lot of callbacks to the same kinds of deaths mm-hmm. and i guess i guess again it's like it's like how much variety do you do you want i mean you 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 have to try and see death as this abstract thing and yet you know you also kind of want him to be a, to be a freddy to be a michael myers to be a yeah, Jason right. Voorhees. right so they play that really well that you 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 know you when you see some pigeons you're like oh fuck well basically <laughs> death in the yeah exactly especially this movie is pigeons are a sign in this movie for sure i mean and you know that that whole dentist sequence you know i think it's like oh it's great to exploit you know our natural fear of of dentistry right. And and right. then uh, and then a bird smacks into the window, and I'm like, and I guess our fear of birds, right? Yeah. <laughs> and and then a second bird hits the window, and what I love is the dentist says something like, "Ugh, these birds keep hitting that window." Well, he's, you know, like you know, this is... you know, he he says, "How do they expect me to work like this?" I'm like, oh, what? Yeah. <laughs> he said, oh, what level do you think this is controlled?" <laughs> You want you you want the government to to commit genocide of pigeons just so you can drill people's mouths just just so you can earn your living. Well, and and uh, speaking to your earlier point, the 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 only way that death manifests itself in the film to the characters in the films are by a chilled wind. Uh huh. Yeah. Chilled wind. A, a cool breeze comes comes across, and it makes every character in every movie go. Hmm, that's strange. Yeah, and it's it's interesting. I think as well, you know, with 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 horror horror and horror kills, there's always kind of rules underpinning them, mm-hmm. and sequels like to change up the rules, and we we get some, and they each have a different kind of rule change um, that goes completely against what the last film did. Yeah, totally. <laughs> but I, I'm never mad at no, it. No, no. This one, you know, is this one is really pushing the idea that it's all about the order in which people uh, are killed that matters. Well, I mean, that plays in all the films, and that was a big thing in the first movie. You know, in the first movie, there he's looking at a map of where people sat kind of a thing. Yeah. And, and so it plays in all the movies. Look, we're just getting started here, everybody. We're talking about Final Destination 2. When we come back, we're going to have some 
we're gonna, let's talk about the magical black man when we get back. How about that? Oh, yeah. Farewell to, All right. farewell to the flesh. <laughs> we'll be back after this. I like to think I know something about beer. But nowadays, even I get overwhelmed when confronted by the exhaustive selection of craft beers they have at bars, breweries, and even grocery stores. Back in the day you had one, maybe two craft beers to choose from, and if you were confused, you ordered a Guinness. But in beer stations like San Diego, the craft beer options lately are in double, sometimes even triple, digits. So what's a beer drinker to do? You need what I need. The Vegas Beer Guys. Your beer of choice should be a perfect blend of malt and hops. And so a live show about beer needs that same balance. And the Vegas Beer Guys matches beer expert Dan Aker with self-proclaimed beer novice Stephen J. Weiss. The results are eminently drinkable. They're on Facebook. They're on Instagram. They'll try new beers. They'll tell you about beers. Think of them as your beer sherpas guiding you up a foamy-headed mountain to reach the peak of your pint. God, I need a beer. And we are back. We're here talking about Final Destination 2, the 2003 David R. Ellis movie. So, Tom, yeah. I wanted to talk about Candyman, but <laughs> in order <laughs> in order to get to Candyman, we have that first just really delicious death scene of Blonde Guy from I'll Always Know What You Did Last Summer. Oh, yeah. I, I mean, it the way the way that I mean, I'm saying that that this is a you know, this is one of the best sight gags in the movie. Mm-hmm. I actually didn't know that that it would be like this would be trump carded again and again and again. But at the time <laughs> right, I'm watching yeah. it, I'm like, I can't imagine it's going to get funnier than this. And it did. Um, <laughs> and again, this is what I mean about comic timing. Um, it ends with uh, the ladder of a fire escape falling to within inches of the guy's face. Right. <laughs> and then it takes a, takes a, you know, it takes a beat and then the ladder goes straight through his eye. Well, it takes enough of a beat that he thinks, oh, thank God that didn't yeah. hit me in the face or I'd be dead right now. I mean, that's comedy. It's great. Yeah. And, and, it's, and then it just, you know, you know, I just love that it stopped like two inches from his face, but then gathers enough force to, to ram through his head. Yeah. And like you said, I mean, it's just pure comedy. It's It's great. So at any rate, he ends up at the coroner's office. Uh-huh. And one of my notes, I just think it's hysterical that the coroner clearly is working in a dungeon. <laughs> there, there's you could make a or maybe I should save this for picture sequel, but you could make a whole other movie about what goes on in the coroner's office. Cuz when when we get to Final Destination 5, Tony Todd is wearing a suit like He's the president of America. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if there's some kind of... Because I, I get the sense that he's like a low-level employee, like just above janitor in this movie. When he gets the final movie, I mean, maybe that's, you know, like, just because he is he is like the 
the ultimate legacy character now, and and we need to start treating him with respect. Mm-hmm. But in this movie, I guess says he's like he's just above, you know, he's like he's a guy who's just weird enough to put the dead bodies in the furnace and not complain about it. Yeah, right, exactly. <laughs> so I don't know what is going on in the coroner's office that by the end he seems to be running the place. Because <laughs> he, seems, he seems like a junior employee at this point. And, uh, well, I, I just think it's hysterical that... Well, we also have to mention that Allie Larder comes back because she's the one that brings all these newfound horror heroes to go this see him. Gr- this is great, great sequel writing. Because the news report at the beginning of the film more or less tells us don't expect anyone from the original cast to be in this movie. Mm -hmm. And we start with a completely different cast of actors. And then as the movie goes on, we just kind of throw in a couple of legacy characters. Yeah. I think that is so well done from a screenplay point of view. I was, I mean, you know, it didn't mean anything to me because I didn't see the original movie. But when they turned up, I was like, that is genuinely surprising. I thought they were just going to look at photos of these people. Right. Yeah, for sure. Because in sequels, that's what you do. You spend scene after scene looking at photos of actors who aren't in the movie. Right. you (laughs) You have to look at the previous story and it's always them finding news articles online or... Yeah, at the library. <laughs> so, so when she tu- when she turned up and when, uh, when how about her padded up? cell? Well, I was confused. <laughs> so I don't. Again, I'm not a mental health expert, right? But it seemed like she had access to a lot of things she could use to kill herself. It, she's she's in what I would call a padded cell. It is a padded cell. It is a padded cell, and yet she has access to media, a lot of cunning tools, mm-hmm. and I just I just don't think that is... Well, but that's also juxtaposed with somebody walking in the door and her saying, you stay away. <laughs> like six feet. It's like coronavirus for, for, for these characters. Like, stay six feet away or I'll die. I mean, if it's that luxurious... I, I check myself in. Well, yeah, and exactly though. <laughs> you've got basically you've got access to you've got access to media. You've got a TV. Because for all you know, for everyone that doesn't know, she 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 is in the padded cell by choice. Right. It's like what kind of what kind of bills is she running up on this place? Like so, yeah, that was my clock, first thought. Round, round the, the clock, clock care. CCTV? <laughs> But I, I, my thoughts immediately went to, you know, my again, this is just my go-to for when when an actor from the original movie appears in a short amount of the sequel, you know, I immediately thought, you know, is this a Charlton Heston Planet of the Apes situation where she sort of said, I'll come back, but, you know, I'm not going to do much. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, you know, I... I, I there's kind of a big gap between Allie Larder and Charlton Heston, though. Um. Yeah. I. I. It's. It's. Yeah. I. Well. I suppose so. But. <laughs> well, not. Not in. Not in Beneath the. This is a better sequel than Beneath the Planet of the Apes. Spoiler alert for when yeah. we do that series. <laughs> so yeah, I. I, uh, I was just. I. But I also thought that. That it made a lot of sense. Because that when when 
when she's visited by the the new characters, they make them, you know, take all the stuff out of their pocket, anything that might harm her. Yeah. I mean, she's obviously got scissors because she cut up all those newspapers, but whatever. Maybe maybe it was cut for her and brought into the room. Well, yeah, maybe. But, but... also, how are they up on the wall? Are they stapled <laughs> or are they taxed? Like, if there's tax, you're still fucked, so... <laughs> yeah, um, but, but I thought, you know, if everyone just did this every time they entered the building, fewer people would die. Death wouldn't be able to get to you. But then, but then, as soon as they mention, uh, yeah, that, I guess uh, you know, uh, these movies they, seem to soon, find a way, no matter well, what. Well, as soon as they mentioned that, you know, that the order of death is a thing, I thought, well, why don't the people who aren't next stand around the person who is? Yeah, <laughs> but, but but you know, but I'm you not mean, writing these. I'm not writing these movies. Do you? Yeah, <laughs> I I would have loved to, you know, spend 15 minutes of exposition about. You know, five people sleeping on top of one person to protect them. You know, it's, yeah. which is well, what would have to happen for you for you to get what you wanted. You know, I think you know this this movie would would this movie is already great. I think I don't think even having every single character surrounded by five people at any one time. And or everyone taking everything out of their pockets every time they enter a scene right. would affect this movie at all. No, no. <laughs> I think it would only it could only go up from here. But it's not. I mean, it's sk- skipping ahead, but she's sort of in this movie to die. Yeah, and to make you think that she's going to survive. So it's like two surprises. Well, and I'll say this: I think they do that well. I think they brilliantly. I think they they really make you think that she's going to pull some of these people through with her. Yes. And then you know, of course, she gets it. You know, <laughs> they they stop killing people for just and just long enough for you to think that that she might survive, and then she then she's gone. But in part of it, because it's, it's this whole scene with the elevator and all that, you know they kind of realize the order and realize what might happen next. And so they're trying to save somebody. And, and your, as, the... your assumption is that person's on the list, the person they're trying to save. So yeah, you, you think Allie Larder is safe and she's not. <laughs> and that, and that's also a bait, a bait and switch because you focus on that opposed to what is kind of the setup for the final scare, mm-hmm. which is, is, depicted in the movie as an incidental detail that we all forget about which right. is a kid you know like a uh one of the character's relatives gets saved from death from um certain death yeah but in a kind of way that's casual enough for you to totally forget about it right 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 so that puts him on the list and he's the one who who dies in the final scare i mean that's a great again that's a great screenwriting move but um the f- the final shot of the movie is the funny also the funniest sight gag in the movie so yeah it's yeah. it's it, it's it's not just that the writing is clever it's that the comedy is stupid <laughs> that's a, that's a lethal combination yeah for sure in a movie i think that's why i love superman 3 and terminator rise of the machine and it's been a while since I've seen that Terminator. I'll give it another try. I remember hating it. Yeah, yeah. but uh, that was most that was most people's reaction. Yeah. That's that's for another day. <laughs>
Uh, I have a note here. I think it's I think it's when they're in the apartment and Allie Larder has now, it's, you know, we're, we're kind of getting the third exposition dump. Right. So we have the news report. Then we have the, hey, I heard about this plane that, you know, this all happened to people on a plane. And then you have Allie Larder come back to kind of explain order and all of that to them. So it's like a third exposition dump. Well, a fourth if you count Tony Todd. That's true. You're right. I mean, he's doing more of the, you know, the the mystical side of it. Because right. he's African-American. So, you know. He's the magical black man who's, you know, death has to have its way. Well, <laughs> he's, he's it's funny because I'm like, even though this is, you know, even Tony Todd, Candyman himself, can't you know, spin the fact that this is another lazy trope of the magical black man. Right. You know, and, and that, that just shows that it is it is the most irredeemable trope in horror cinema. Because mm-hmm. if Tony Todd can't make you forget it, then you're never going to forget right. it. Right. <laughs> For sure. If one person could do it, it's Tony Todd. And, <laughs> and another, another kind of interesting trope and i don't know how i really don't know how deliberate this is but it really struck me justina machado um who plays the pregnant woman in the movie Uh uh-huh the um i have never seen her in anything where she is not either pregnant or a mother oh really yeah and Hmm. I, i i every role every role i've seen her in she's either been pregnant or she's has kids and I you know I noticed that as soon as I saw her, I was like is she is it con- is she contractually obliged to be pregnant at all times in every in in everything she's in but then the fact that that plays so much into the plot later right. on in the movie it's... it's like this might be the key to defeating death yeah I was just like I was just like do they are they aware of this you know that she's so... always cast as this character and that's why you're gonna why it's her that's I, I don't know but. It, it made me very happy. <laughs> that is casting with intent. Well, I and I want to speak to that, but I, I just I want to get this note where I love that when Allie Larder kind of explains order and all of that to them. Yeah. I love that one of the character goes, one of the characters says, I don't know, seems like a reach. <laughs> meanwhile they're like watching people die in the order they were supposed to die in and i don't know seems like a reach you know that that's a that's a better explanation than the um well i i can't remember his name the biker dude Mm -hmm. um that who's also a teacher in a violence in a violent school because he's african-american and grabs a gun yeah. Very quickly because he's African American. Um <laughs> in the um, in the frame of these movies. That's not my reasoning. That's these movies. No, yeah, it's the, it's the movie, right. Um he says at one point, My ass is alive, has been all day. Yeah. yeah. Like, How is that a reason for the fact that you're not gonna die? Right. And then but and uh as I remember, his death is in an elevator with a right. man who has a box of prosthetic arms. Correct. But that's how yeah. Allie Larder gets it. Right. But uh, <laughs> but I <laughs> I remember thinking And what like what happens with the arms? The arms they kind of they fall and they, Yeah. Th- they're in between the doors, right? Yeah, they get stuck in the door and the, Yeah. But I I remember thinking the fact that this guy exists in the world 
is a scary enough thought before right. whatever's about to happen. Right. What is he doing with this box full of prosthetic arms? I actually have a note that says we should have a separate movie for the guy with the box of arms. And uh, I actually, I mean, there, there was moments, actually moments in this film where I thought they're doing things that I've seen done in other movies, but this is the first time I've seen it. Like, the drowning sequence towards the end of the movie. I mean, isn't that a shot-for-shot... Shot... Well, it's it's a predecessor of the end of Casino Royale, which is three years after this. Yeah. I was just like, you know, Martin Campbell... You could say that, yeah. Ki- right, right, like, right. Martin Campbell must have taken his kids to the movie and be like... <laughs> <laughs> I haven't seen that in a Bond film. I'll get all the credit for this. <laughs> That's funny. I'm the guy who invented bungee jumping in Bond films. Right. So, I, I, you know, there were times when I was like, this movie looks derivative of a bunch of things that it actually did first. So, mm-hmm. And I guess I didn't think about Snakes on a Plane, but that, you know, I always think of snakes as a snakes on a plane as a real watershed moment in that kind of self parody oh yeah action action horror movie but maybe the, if, does this predate that this predates that right yeah but this is i think even stronger in terms of intent yeah to kind of comicalize itself well with snakes on a plane, that was sort of a re-edit thing. It's like we, it's like this movie's bad, but so let's play up what's bad about it to make it funny. This feels like this is doing that almost out of principle. <laughs> yeah, right. But this movie is taking itself. It seems to be taking itself more seriously, which is what you think. Yeah, I think so. In in style and and the way it's shot. Hmm. But. But what happens in it is so patently absurd. Like I said, like I mean, everybody dies like Wile E. Coyote. It's all like Warner Brothers cartoons. These deaths, and I, but I don't. I, I think uh, I. I don't think they're taking it seriously at all. I think that, that no. Is, I mean, I, I mean, it's. I don't mean that they made it seriously. I mean that they are presenting it seriously, but they themselves are like. <laughs> oh, interesting. Well, yeah. I mean. The the craft that's the thing is like the craft of this is so evident. Yeah, I yeah I I agree completely. That there's no there's no room for there's no kind of room for error or, uh, and I guess that was the snakes in the plane thing as well. It's like, you know, we need to re-edit this movie to make clear to everyone that we know how bad this movie is. Right. Um, so I don't know if this went through a similar process, but it well, seems like I I can't think of a moment of this movie that doesn't feel like. It it's trying to comicalize everything that happens. Well, I know someone who at the time was dealing with like Samuel L. Jackson was going to be in, in in a movie that a friend of mine wrote, and mm. this was around the time of Snakes on a Plane. They hadn't, they may, may they might not have even started filming it yet. But I, what I remember was Samuel L. Jackson was telling everybody the story about reading a script called snakes on a plane snakes on a plane and he said i'll do it and they said and don't worry we'll call it like flight 747 like, like we're we're going to change the title so it's not so stupid 
And Samuel L. Jackson apparently said, hey, let me tell you something. If you change the title, I'm not doing the movie anymore. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so, I, you know, it seems from the get go, they knew what they were were doing. OK. Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, that that I, I having seen this movie, I don't think. Uh, David R. Ellis leaves anything to chance when it comes to the comedy of his movies. Yeah, I, I agree. <laughs> I just think, I guess my point earlier was just that I, it's one of the things that I love about this, this movie in particular and all of these movies is the tone of it like the actors are taking it seriously. They feel yeah. like they're in genuine danger. They're all actually scared. They're, you know, mm-hmm. they're going through actual trauma. But when the trauma happens, it's all, you know, it's yeah. always silly. So it's... No, no, and that is a really important it, distinction. Yeah. A I, really important distinction. I just think it's the hardest tightrope to walk. And they're yeah. walking it in these movies. And, it, it, I, you know, it works magnificently as far as I'm concerned. A great example of what you're talking about is we've already I've I've talked multiple times about the the cokehead stoner character. Yeah, his death. My probably my favorite character in any of these movies. Mm-hmm. Um, and what what you're talking about happens uh, with his death because sort of moments earlier, he pleads to one of the characters that if he dies. They need to go into his apartment and hide right. his drugs and his porno in a way that is is funny, but is actually very sweet. But earnest and sweet because totally yeah, earnest, it's totally it's sweet. it's a plea about his mother not <laughs> seeing it, and and he has one of the most comically absurd deaths in the whole movie, where a wire fence cuts him into like eight pieces. Yeah, it's but it's it and, it's, it, and, and that it, balance of things is is. You know, completely there. There's also the, the woman who's like uh, the ang- the woman who's like got anxiety conditions, and she's on all kinds of different pills. Right. Um. And you know, she gets killed with an airbag to the face. Yeah. Right. Which is the most, you know. So, the, but but her problems are taken seriously. Yeah. Absolutely. All right. We're gonna take another quick break, everybody, and when we come back, we'll finish up talking about Final Destination Two right after this. If you're anything like me, you spend the majority of the day wondering whether you want coffee, beer, or wine. Whichever way you fall, Brew Bar has you covered. Located in the heart of 3rd Avenue Village in glorious downtown Chula Vista, California, which is also my neck of the woods, Brew Bar is a coffee shop, bar, and eatery rolled into one delightful package. Tim and Alex run the place, and let me tell you listeners, these guys know their coffee. And after you've been in their company, so will you. They turned me on to pour over, and it's literally all I drink now. If for some crazy reason you don't want to try the best coffee in the world, they've got espresso drinks, all kinds of teas, and even coffee cocktails. You heard me. Coffee tails. And we're just getting started. Bottle service on craft beer and wine, alcoholic and caffeinated potions, an all-day food menu with plenty of vegan options. 
All served up in an atmosphere hip enough to know you're getting the best quality, but not too hip that you feel the need to drive to 7-Eleven and get a bucket of brown swill. Brew Bar. It's the best place to be for beer, wine, coffee and tea. And if you go, you might even see me. And we're back. We are here, Tom and I, talking about Final Destination 2. Tom, I got a question for you. Something that I found kind of absurd in this movie. Just one thing? Yeah, right. (laughs) Well, it definitely happened in this movie, and it might have been referenced in other movies, but this idea that there's a character who says, you know what? I'm just going to kill myself. Mm. Death's a coming. I better just kill myself. I just, every time a character did that, especially in this movie, I thought, whoa, 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 let's, like, <laughs> you know, take it easy there, chief. Let's try to figure this out, you know, because it's not, it's not suicide ideation. It's not, you know what I mean? Yeah. It's not depression. It's not. My life's terrible. It's like death's coming, so I may as well just do it myself. Yeah, and that that's that's uh, another um, variation on the slasher genre that is entirely, you know, that is totally particular to this franchise. Yeah, I've yeah. never seen <laughs> right. this anywhere else. Never see it in any it other movie. Becomes a really big deal, almost philosophically, in the next movie. Right. You know, it's like, do you want to see your own death? like you know yeah 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 they so so this is like the beginning of well uh, well we'll let's save it for that movie well yeah no but this is like the beginning of like what can we you know what what kinds of questions does this raise Mm -hmm. which is which is funny for a slasher movie i mean i don't you know I, i don't i don't watch halloween and think wow this really raises questions to me about halloween masks yeah. <laughs> you know, uh, uh, you know, I, that's. I mean, obviously, horror movies work all kinds of levels, so that is there. But it's not as it. You know, I agree with you when someone's like, you know, I, I'm, I'm gonna kill myself. There's really no way out of this now. I'm thinking. Yeah. I'm thinking. Well, well, yeah. I mean, that's that. That is totally different from any other slasher movie where. Everyone thinks they can get away, even though, even when they absolutely cannot. Mm-hmm. When there's absolutely no hope, but here people are just like, I mean, yeah, no, no one runs towards, you know, Freddy's Freddy's claws, or <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> so it is, it is, re- it is really interesting. I'm it, tired I... of not sleeping. I'm just gonna run right into it. Yeah, exactly. I'm just gonna go to sleep. You know. Um... So I, I I do think it's I do think it's a it's definitely an interesting twist on the genre. Yeah. Well, how'd you feel? Uh, you know, we we were talking about what what's the best death scene in this movie? Oh, the the very fine the final uh, the final scare where uh, a boy explode uh, barbecue explodes taking. A teenage boy with it, whose arm then lands in front, yeah, right, of someone else on the table, as if to suggest dinner. <laughs> <laughs> I 
and that that is the very last thing you see in the movie. And to me, that is the funniest sight gag that there is in the movie, and probably the for most, sure the probably the most unexpected death too, because you really oh well, I don't know, maybe I'm not as sophisticated a moviegoer as some people, but I had completely forgotten that this kid had dodged death early on in the movie just because so much was going on. Mm-hmm. Um, even though. You know, another, but you are. This is what I mean about these mo- that you you can set your watch by these movies. As soon as we get out of the hospital scene, which appears to be the kind of like proper ending to the movie, right? The color palette goes really sunny, <laughs> and I'm right. like, here we go. Yeah, Final right. Final scare. But I tell you, I was not expecting it to be. The, the the best boy. moment in the entire movie for me. Did you have a, uh-huh. did you have a particular favorite? I, I I as ridiculous as it was, I really liked Stoner's death. Oh no! My, I mean, that's I mean, amazing, amazing. It, it, it made me. It it almost made me stand up. I I I, I went whoa! <laughs> <You know? laughs> it, it's it's interesting to me that like this is the death that gets replayed. The most in the when they re, when they show footage from previous movies in right. later movies, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. So you see that a few times, and I mean, it's from whatever perspective you're looking at it from, it's it's beautifully done. Yeah. Uh, so let me ask you about the the kind of crux of this movie. Do you like you know because all the movies play with this idea of. You you have to find a way to skip yourself. Like somebody else has to die in your place, and then and then you're skipped. That kind of thing. I guess so. Yeah. But in this movie, it's it's we have to have a new life. Well, but it, a, but that's a red herring, isn't it? I mean, that's how I was reading it. That it does. Well, so- that's my question to you: yeah. is like, how does that play out for you? That whole bit of nonsense. Because I I mean, we spend a lot of time on it. Yeah, I it, well, it's it, I it's just I, to me it's just good writing because you know you solved I guess I guess it's not strictly a red herring because it does work. Mm-hmm. It's just that there's collateral, there's still collateral. There's damage still there. collateral damage, right? I have to say, I don't know if we've talked about this, but I adore the idea that. Um, because I, I, I sort of, the, the the beginning of the movie, I was like, it's just the fear that people, because it's the one year anniversary of this plane crash, it's mm-hmm. just that it's on everyone's minds. That's the only link between the first and the second movie. Oh, okay. And then as it went on, I was like, okay, so there seems to be, you know, there seem they seem to be the fact that they research it and that's how they learn about premonitions. Mm -hmm. That's why the first movie, that's how it's linked to the first movie. And then, then you realize, Oh my God, all these people should have died. And death is just kind of like, um, you know, crossing the T's and dotting the I's. Well, one other thing, I love, I love that idea. More sequels should have this kind of thoughtful approach to how you're different from the original but linked. Right. like yeah. the connective tissue is so it's not nuanced but it's it's interesting it's totally different from what i was But expecting. it's not tenuous either, no. right? Yeah. It it makes total sense even though they throw in a character who claims to have been a cop 
who cleared up the plane crash who we never saw in the original movie right. and we've come yeah, across right. this before yeah of course this, you, this character you you assume is in the first movie but of course he isn't um yeah. even though they do that I, i'm just wowed by that um and also the ability to you know keep that you know make you think that this movie is more tenuous than it is until yeah. they reveal that is actually really well done um and then the the new life thing is is a nice idea. I like using Justina Machado as the as the kind of mother figure because that's what she is in everything. <laughs> she but is great in the movie. Is, yeah, she's she's yeah, I love her. She's terrific. But you know, you know, you know, you're gonna get this final scare. But I was surprised about who it was, and that I didn't see it coming because it was depicted in the movie as if it was a. Meaning, you know, it was like that. Right. I, you, I, you thought the, <laughs> you thought that was the red herring. Right, 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 right. But that's the real crux of the movie. Whereas Justina Machado is, in essence, the the red herring. Although she does kind of, she does plug the plug the death hole for a the little death bit. hole, right? Yeah, right. Just <laughs> for a moment, possibly a terrible metaphor to use. Given, well, and given that she's giving birth. So we don't want to bring <laughs> yeah. holes, death holes into it. Well, and there's one thing. It's funny because we're talking about the difference between movie to movie. And there's one thing that's really at play at this in this movie and comes again in. In number four, I believe, right. are, the, you know, the multiple. The multiple visions. Right. And that's really at play in this movie more than any of the other sequels. It's not just one vision at the beginning of the movie. It's yeah, well, I you mean, know, repeated. When when we get into Final Destination three, there's clearly an attempt to, you know, that that becomes so unmanageable that they have to find a different device. Mm-hmm. Um, and we'll you know we'll talk about that when we talk about the movie. But yeah, that is <laughs> that's an area of the movie where I, I thought, yeah, this is unsustainable. We can't. Right. Just, we can't just have a vision every, for every death, you know, for every right. scene. Um, but I guess you know this is it's it's sequels are about upping the ante, so it does its job there too. But uh, it does it, it does it in a way that no one can kind of like run with what it what it uh, right. does. Like it's not. It, it's basically it's like handing you know it's like handing a turd sandwich to the next guy. it's like make this work dick you know it's like (laughs) good luck asshole see ya james (laughs) enjoy your franchise (laughs) it's like i could just i could just see like james wong looking oh you know watching this movie and being like look how they massacred my boy (laughs) It's like I, th- this is a comedy now. When did this become a comedy? <laughs> but uh, I'm happy. You know, there's something at play in the original movie that comes back in the fifth movie that's not too present in any of the other movies, and that's cops. Yeah. Well, th- there is there is a moment where I'm like, okay, we're in a Law and Order episode now for a little while. Fine. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's, Although, um, I, yeah, you have one. Just because, just because the 
what is he? Is he a highway patrolman? Yeah, he's a highway. He's a highway patrolman. He cleaned. So up that's the, one of your main characters truck. in this movie. But that's the only reason cops are kind of present in this movie at all. Mm-hmm. You know, in the other movies, in one and five, there's a procedural element of, you know, explain to me what happened, and and you know them thinking that the kids must be involved, and it turns out to be an accident, and blah 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 blah. Yeah, I. I... And I think it's funny that it's like present in some movies and comes back and, you know, you have a cop in this movie as a character. Yeah. But, it, you know, in all the other movies, it, it's it's more you got to answer some questions. Then you don't see the questions answered at all. You know what I mean? It's like, all right, you can go now is pretty much all you hear. OK, we've got your statement. You you can go. Which is very which is strange because, you know, you just you 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 might as well. I mean, I, I like how the cop works in in five in a lot of ways but yeah me too i also like the fact that here there isn't much of that i don't believe you know the the mm-hmm. the skept the skeptic stuff is kind of written off at the beginning when that guy in the news report says and by the way everyone's just accepted that the grim reaper is a thing <laughs> um and so i mean he is the he is the the police officer who cleared up flight 180 yeah so he you know he must know that this is a distinct possible you know he's that's what's great about this plot device is that they're, they're people who they know they know about flight 180 so they're sort of already mentally on board with this so it doesn't actually take that much convincing for them to go oh yeah we're all being picked off by um, by death one by one we, you know mm-hmm. we've heard of this happen and the public at large has accepted death uh- well yeah <laughs> and that, that's one of the interesting things about this these you know these movies taken as a whole is how long it will take the characters to to believe yeah that is that is a huge that is a huge variable in these movies. Yeah. And each of them does it differently. To go, uh, yeah, and I find that interesting in and of itself that each movie makes its own choice about that. Here there's a little bit of resistance mostly coming from um you know if there's a skeptic character it is that the the teacher biker. Well, and you know, just with the one line seems like a reach. <laughs> <It's> <laughs> like... Um but uh there's a little bit of resistance but everyone gets on board very quickly. Uh, I mean, we'll talk about we'll we'll talk about the final destination. But uh, um, <laughs> I mean, I know he's Bubba Gump. I know he's he's Bubba from Forrest Gump. Yeah. But he just buys into that. Un- buys into what has happened unquestioningly. Oh, he is on the case. It's like that is too much. <laughs> Maybe Courtney B. Vance is like a little slow on the uptake. Uh, mm-hmm. Here, it's a nice mix of of both of them. And then, and having having an Af- an African American as skeptic, despite the fact that in in other ways he's horribly stereotypical, is actually good because it counterbalances the magical black man element. Yeah, you get right. you get one there's one black guy who's very yeah. who's being very empirical about things, and there's Tony Todd in a dungeon going, "Death's gonna get you." Yeah, right. <laughs> um, so problematic in different ways. But uh, but an absolute joy of a movie. I cannot tell you how happy this movie made me. <laughs> and 
and the and the and the sequels didn't disappoint on the whole. No, which yeah, is I, agree. I, I I have never been in this situation before with a franchise. I don't think Th- these movies are so strange. They're so strange. I, I I can't believe that somebody agreed to make them. I can't believe that they have sequels. I can't believe that audiences were into them. Well, but it, all of those things are true, and they're you know they're. It remi- they're ridiculous. It, rem- it is ridiculous. But they're fun. It reminds me of like you know when when old Hollywood worked best is when it was kind of like pushing a formula that worked. Mm-hmm. You know, you know what I mean. Like, yeah, like it's it's not like we look at movies from like the '30s to the '50s in Hollywood and go, "Wow, these are all you know in you know these are all totally different." You know, they're working right. to something that is like literally set down in guidelines. It's like this is how you edit a scene. This is how the characters right. yeah, go through sure. the story. And I feel like it's the same here, where it's like, it's like. You know, keep the formula because that is what that works. That's what works. That's right. what works. And you just, you know, you do artistic things and mess about with that side of it. Yeah. You mess around with the style of them, the content. I mean, you know, you could these movies could be programmed by computer. They're so. Yeah. They're so rigid in how the story develops every single time. But and it's so funny that they. They speak to each other in that way, but are all completely interdependent of one another as well. Yeah. Cast, I, cast starts over, except for this movie. It's you know, very, you're always starting from zero. Yeah, and it's... it's I, I, I Another thing I like, this is a franchise-wide thing, is to, is to have connections that are not about story, that are about... There are certain products or brands that, like icons symbols that we see that remind us of the previous movies but they don't have anything to do with story like they don't right yeah um and that works on so many levels it's it's a dream you know whenever you see that pale ale that can of pale ale turn up you know it's like orange right. is in the yeah. godfather you know someone's in trouble but also right. at the same time it's like i guess we call them easter eggs now i mean they're kind of mo- they're motifs but they do. That's an you know that's kind of enough. Although this movie brilliantly straddles that line between, you know, being a a, a a total reset and also a legitimate way of continuing the story. The story, right? Well, you and I are on the same page, Tom. Ladies and gentlemen, you tell us: Do you love Final Destination Two? Send us an email. There's got to the... be someone who who hates has, it, who has reservations. Yeah, this I'm sure there must be. So send that to us at the everything sequel at gmail.com. Find us on Facebook, find us on Twitter, find us on Instagram. Rate and review us. Rate and review us, please. On we iTunes need it. or whatever it's called now. I keep saying listeners, so I probably should say listener. <laughs> well, you do you don't sit, you don't sit around the you sit around the laptop with your family to to listen to to podcasts like I do. No, <laughs> me, myself, and I, my yeah, friend. Yeah, this fireplace, listen to the, the dulcet tones of everything sequel. All right. So stay tuned. We got Final Destination 3 coming up next. Have a great day. Bye-bye, everybody.